place that has the best chocolate around here is Aldi. I like getting chocolate at Aldi. Hmm. The bars? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. They've got really good chocolate. <clears throat> yeah. I'm not a big chocolate guy, but I'll eat it, but I'm yeah. more fruity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Get you signed can out you, to be here with me. <laughs> hey, can you edit that as a clip, Matt, so we can just yeah, keep I'm more fruity. I'm fruity. I'm fruity. We cannot partner with a, a faith that does not believe that our salvation is based on Christ and Him alone. If, if they start adding things to that, we can't join with them. We can't be with them. And you, you say, well, that's harsh. Judgment Day is going to be really harsh. I mean, there's a line. There is a line. And it's not out of a lack of love. It's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. Because if I love people well, I don't want them to get this wrong. Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. It's good to be with you today. Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Our goal together is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Um, today, we're, we're sitting here around the table. It's October, and which means it's Reformation Month. Um, it's Reformation Day is actually the same day as as Halloween, All Hallows Eve, mm-hmm. uh, November first in the church calendar. If you were to follow that, is All Saints Day. So All Hallows Eve, October thirty first, is the day that we celebrate whenever whenever Martin Luther. Um, well, we don't know for sure if he nailed them or not, but he came out with his ninety five theses. Um, Did he write them on a post it note? <laughs> Stick them. Or, well, I don't know if he wrote them in Latin back then. Uh, but I think it was in Latin, actually. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know if on a post-it note, though. Oh. Yeah, it was in Latin. You but I mean, how else would he put them on the door? Command strip. <laughs> <laughs> that tack. Oh was it sticky tack? <laughs> sticky tack. Uh, sticky tack, yeah. I hope he didn't use those little squares that Jenny used the other day. <laughs> that fell, the sign it doesn't fell. work very long. <laughs> Man, it fell down again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they had paper. <laughs> so it's probably paper. Because the printing press was invented the same year. Yeah, the Gutenbergs. So, pretty impressed. Um, so, that's oh, good. To be logical. That, that right there that's talking right now over there, that's Matt Bates. He's oh. our music and media pastor. I got Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor here, Scott Slater, family pastor, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor here at the church. So, uh, we, we Martin Luther. He was a German reformer. He was born in 1483, died in 1546. And like we said, in 1517, that's kind of the uh, traditional date at which people will start the, the year that the Reformation began. That's my address, by the way. 15, that's right. 1517. Yeah, you go through Samaria. We must go through Samaria that's right. we go to your house. Yeah. <laughs> um, he nailed the 95 theses or printed them or wrote them somehow. Um, and so he put those up. And then eventually in 1521, he is, uh, he's been condemned by the, the Pope. He's been called and examined by uh, different people. And eventually in 1521, he's there standing before the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire who wants him to recant all of his writings and what he's been saying. And he says that famous line, here I stand, I can do no other. And eventually Martin Luther was used by God to spark a reformation, which is a, a change in the in the church and to help us recover the gospel that was that's found in the scriptures. He was used by God to translate the Bible from its original Greek into uh, the German language of his time, and which spawned a, a translation revival mm-hmm. that uh, also includes us with William Tyndale mm-hmm. translating the scriptures into English, yeah. of which we are still in debt, even yeah. with modern language uh, Bibles today in the English language. <laughs> he um, was burned at the stake for it too. Yeah, I think he was. Well, I think he was strangled. Was it? Uh, yeah, really? And then, yeah, I thought he was burned. Yeah, I think he was strangled or executed somehow, and then maybe mm. burned or something. Mm. Yeah, Tyndale. Brave guy. Yeah. Um, but the, the key thing that they, they, they fought for in the Reformation was the fact, a couple of things. First of all, that whenever we're trying to understand what God wants from us and what God, what God expects of us and how he saves us, we do not look to anything as the final authority but Scripture. Scripture is the final authority, and Martin Luther was big on that, that yeah. it is not 
church councils or church traditions or any person in the church that is the final judge of what God's uh, truth is. It is Scripture alone is the final yeah. uh, judge. And also the key thing that was there was that we are saved and made right with God, not by anything that we do, but by only receiving the free gift of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And so we're made right with God. We are legally accepted by him, justified by faith alone. That is by receiving Christ alone as the gift that he is from God the Father uh, to us, which is totally opposite to what every other religion in the world teaches, which is that you're saved by what you do and who you are. And the Reformation teaches and the Bible teaches us that we are saved despite who we are and because of Christ alone. So, first of all, before we dive into this and talk about uh, particularly one aspect of the Reformation, uh, the truth that it recovered, why should we as Baptists care about the Reformation? We're a Baptist church, so we're not a Lutheran church um, named after Martin Luther. Why should we care about the Reformation as Baptists? Well, we might not be a Lutheran church, but we are a Protestant church brought out of the great protest of Luther. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, start there. Right. The gospel that he recovered is our is the gospel Correct. we yeah. believe. Yep. Yeah. What well. he was fighting against out of the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. tradition was basically what birthed our tradition, if so, I can call it a tradition. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. I mean, we, as, a, as a tradition, the Calvinistic Baptists or the particular Baptist movement, which is really where the the, the big stream, there was also a group called the General Baptists, but yeah. they really all come out around the 1600s. Yeah. Um, and, um, and eventually that we trace our lineage. We're a Southern Baptist church. And so those churches trace their lineage, um, all the way from the 1600s yeah. through the 1800s and now into So that us. would be the, Lo- the London Baptist, right? Yeah. There was always two branches of us, but yeah, we were Protestants though. You're yeah, right. And correct, so our, yeah. our tradition really begins in the 1600s. Yeah. And you've said too, like Luther wasn't alone. Right. In his reforming work, there yes. were some people that came before Earlier. him. Yep. There were people that came at the, around the same time in different John. areas. Yeah, but John yeah, Huss. you're right. Like it, it largely gets attributed to Luther, but for good reason. Right. Yeah, yeah. he was the spark, yep. but um, eventually that birthed other. You know, I've got I've got a, a book that we used in seminary on the Reformation. It's called the European Reformations. Mm. Plural, That's emphasizing good. that there were there were all yeah. these reformations going on. There was actually a counter Reformation that happened in the Catholic Church. Mm under the Pope. And so there was a, an attempt to, to reform even in there. Um, and then there was other groupings, uh, yeah. often divided based upon nation. So we as Baptist Christians care about the Reformation because the central things that the Reformation recovered are the things that we hold dear. They're the bedrock of our theology mm-hmm. and what we think the Bible teaches and what the gospel is. Um, Real quickly, I want to go through these five key things that kind of summarize what the Reformation is all about, and I'll go through them real quick, and then I want to talk and focus upon one of them. Um, first of all, we've already pointed out that that as Christians, we believe that uh, Scripture alone is the only judge of all our religious belief and practice. That was one of the sta- the rallying cries, was that Scripture alone is the only final judge. Secondly, we believe that we are saved by grace alone. So what that means is that whenever God saves us, he doesn't save us because we do something for him or because we are good or innocent ourselves. He saves us only because he decides to have favor towards us in his grace. It's a free gift. Yes. And it's found in Christ alone. So salvation is found in him alone. Um, and what he did, what he accomplished, it's not found in any other person. It's not found in any other program or any denomination. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the only mediator and the only atonement for our sins. And we receive Christ as our Savior by faith alone, which means that faith is the only means by which we receive the gift. We don't receive it by doing better or trying harder or reforming our lives Faith is simply the empty hand that receives the gift yeah. from God. Yeah. And lastly, our salvation is all to the glory of God alone. Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm. It's that God's glory is the final goal of this salvation, to show God's splendor, his grandeur, and his majesty, his magnificence. 
in all things. So those are the five rallying cries, the five things that, as you'll notice, all end with the word alone, um, <laughs> which um, is, is a very important thing to, to, to highlight. They're called the five solas, the five alone statements mm-hmm. um, that we believe. And so today I want to talk, though, with us about really maybe the one that encapsulates our salvation more than any other even is is Christ alone. The fact that we are saved by Jesus Christ alone. And now, whenever um, Luther was recovering this at the Reformation time, he was kind of, you, this is based upon the themes of scriptures like this. Um, when, when Matthew uh, writes in his gospel about Jesus, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me or statements like this in Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Or Paul would write, in Romans chapter 3, that we hold that one is justified or accepted by God by faith. And Paul always connects faith to Christ, faith in him apart from works of the law. And we could go on and on. The highlighting the thing, though, is that our salvation is found entirely in the person of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. alone. Um, how important is this statement for you guys as pastors and for us as a church um, how important is this to our identity as a church and for what we do here? Very. Very important. <laughs> the utmost. <laughs> Good. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think as I grew in my faith, learning this stuff more and understanding it better, you know, as through reading God's Word and as God revealing this stuff to me, it was life-giving hmm. honestly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just that word alone just being really important because mm-hmm. uh you know what luther was fighting against with the roman catholic church was that they were adding to the gospel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. saying that you know there were certain things you could do to earn favor with god to earn entrance into heaven or to earn salvation mm-hmm. And so he was fighting against that because he struggled with that personally because he kept feeling the weight of his sin over and over and over again, and he felt nothing he could do would relieve him of that burden. And then he finally realized it's because nothing he, he can do nothing to relieve himself of that burden, right? Mm-hmm. And so the gospel became very clear to him in Scripture, and that's why that separation, that's why it was such a big deal because of the Catholic tradition and what it had taught and how they put their tradition level with Scripture. And they can't, they can't really go back from that. Right. And uh, we all have our own ways of doing that in our lives, and I did too, and just struggling with doubt and my faith because of sin or because of lack of zeal at times or whatever it might be. Um, but God just really helping me to see the essence of this. It, it's on Jesus' shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's on Christ alone that, you know, uh, you are who you are. It's on his righteousness that he has given you. It's not on what you do. And I think that's why I say the phrase so often from the pulpit. People probably get sick of hearing it, but you know, we serve because of what he did. Mm-hmm. That's why I say that so much is because of how valuable I think that was to yeah. me to understand mm-hmm. that is that my servant, my service isn't right. for him to be happy with me and so then him to bless me or whatever. Mm-hmm. My service to him is because of the blessings he constantly pours out in my life. And even if I wasn't necessarily experiencing these material blessings and things, I would hope I would still be serving him because of the truth of his saving grace. And so that then impacts our church and how we function. It impacts every message I preach, you know, uh, and looking in the scripture, uh, everything we do, you know, evangelistically needs to be based on Christ alone. It impacts our relationships with other churches, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who will we do things with? Because right. this is a really important statement, mm-hmm. uh, very foundational. So it has a big impact in a lot of a lot of areas of the things we do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spencer, your question: how to how is this important for us as pastors? And one of the areas that it comes across the most is when people within our church are going through troubles, and it's it's realized that like, well, it's because we're looking to things other than Christ. Mm -hmm. 
to bring salvation. Mm-hmm. Whether like what you talked about, Tim, if it's like I'm worried about living a life that's pleasing to God so that he will accept me and be yeah. happy with me. Right. Um, and that's, you're looking for salvation in something else. I was actually listening to a sermon recently on John 3, uh, where it was referenced in um, 314, where it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And they were talking about how um, they're actually referencing Charles Spurgeon's conversion. He was converted listening to a sermon from that that text, um, referencing back to what happened in the wilderness when God sent fiery serpents and you know, said if he got bit, you know, uh, Moses created this bronze serpent that he lifted up on a pole, and all you had to do to be healed was look at it, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it was like all you have to do to be healed is look, at, look to Christ, mm-hmm. you know, for salvation to Him and Him alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spurgeon had said that, like, you know, he had a list of like forty something things that he thought he had to do, mm. you know, to be saved, but. In that one statement of like, just look to Christ. You know, everything mm-hmm. else you try to do is not going to work. Mm. Just look to Christ. It's only in Christ. Mm. And uh, we just consist consistently have to point people back to that. It's not in anything else. It's only in Christ. Martin Luther writes this in his uh, small catechism. This is a, a beautiful statement about what we believe, but he was talking about whenever um, talks about who who the Son of God is. He says, I believe that Jesus Christ true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord who has redeemed me. A lost and condemned creature delivered me and freed me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with silver and gold, but with his holy and precious blood and with his innocent sufferings and death, in order that I may be his live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, even as he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. That's the gospel right there. He died for me to be my redeemer and so that I will be his and live under him um, with gratitude and with love to him. Yeah, Um, it's it's so important because... Christ alone is the center point, the climax of all of Scripture. The Old Testament looks to it. The New Testament explains it and reveals it fully. And without it, everything else falls apart. Right. Yeah, no, the the Bible is... The sum and substance of the whole scripture is Jesus. Yeah. If you take Jesus out of there, the whole thing falls apart. Exactly. There's nothing there. Exactly. And, um, yeah, the, uh, the whole Bible, I think I heard Luther say something like the whole Bible is basically the manger wherein the Christ child is nestled in there for us. You know, it's like, that's a beautiful image. I'm just uh, curious that that's his small catechism. What's yes. his big catechism say? His large catechism. <laughs> <is> say, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's, uh, that's uh, yeah. This large catechism is basically sermons. It's right. It talks. It's, uh, it's all right. Or Try it's to memorize longer. that. Huh? Yeah, you weren't really supposed to memorize it. You're just supposed to, I think probably to, to read it but um so this is a small book small catechism yeah small book and it's not exactly small either yeah it's uh yeah so uh when we say that we're saved by christ alone what are we saying though real quick when we're saying that christ alone is our salvation are we saying that we're saved because jesus changes our heart so that we start doing good works is that the basis of our salvation or are we saved by what he did on the cross and that's imputed to us. We're saved by his works. His works. Not ours. Even the works that he does in our heart, we're not saved by. Right. Correct. No, we're saved by his works. Right. His accomplished, finished work on the cross and what he did there and then in his resurrection. And so he he imputes that to us. Right. Right. So he gives that that to us. Mm -hmm. We talk about Jesus's righteousness being given his righteousness that's his works mm-hmm. right are, mm-hmm. are on us and then the word uh, another important word is propitiation yeah where he satisfied right the mm-hmm. wrath of the father yep. because we deserve the wrath of the father yep. and so nothing I can do can satisfy that wrath because of the sin mm-hmm. in me but Jesus has satisfied that on my mm-hmm. on my behalf yep. right right it, it's been put on him and yep. so um, 
again, just that, that imagery of the Old Testament of um, the high priest going yep. into the Holy of Holies and just, you know, purifying himself and then purifying the room and putting blood on the mercy seat and trusting that God would would see the blood over the law that was inside of the ark that the mercy seat sat on. Just all that whole picture. Jesus, that was a type mm-hmm. to Christ. Um, mm-hmm. Christ fulfilled that. Jesus did all that work, right? Mm-hmm. It's nothing that I could do to satisfy any of that. Mm-hmm. He has done it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another way of saying that is, you know, the, the $10 word, penal substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. That there's a penalty for our sin. Right. And Christ took that penalty, substituting it for us, mm-hmm. imputing it, as you were saying, imputing it to us, mm-hmm. and then atonement, satisfying mm-hmm. that wrath of God right. for our sin. Right. So so Christianity, I think this is one of the things that what this, what whenever we start thinking about this, what the Bible is all about, what this does then is it, it impacts the way that we, th- what we think Christianity is all about. Mm-hmm. I think we have a tendency, and we see this especially, I think this is not, I say especially, I think we see this often in, in evangelical Christianity or Christianity at large oftentimes, but this is a human tendency is the Bible is primarily, primarily about your salvation because of someone else's work. Hmm. It's not primarily a manual for you to live your life now. Yeah. It is primarily about what somebody else did for you. Right. And you do live in light of that, but it changes what you think Christianity is all about. I show mm-hmm. up to church not to hear a new talk about how I can improve myself so much as mm-hmm. it's about the fact that I hear about how Christ has done it all for me. Right. It's about promise. Yeah. It's about a gift, an inheritance. And so I think it changes the way we start to read all of scripture then. What we think the yeah. whole, this whole Christianity thing is about. It's primarily. Well, yeah. It, it makes Christianity and what we do in with that as a, it becomes our response to. Correct. Yes. Like we're not doing this stuff to earn anything. We right. are responding. Right. To what has changed in us. And our response is secondary. Yes. It's not yeah, the primary yeah. thing in yeah, Christianity. Agreed. It agreed. is the, it is a it is a necessary response. Yep. But it's the, the core, the nugget of Christianity is all about substitution. Yes. And blood and the cross yep. and what he did for us in the resurrection. Yep. Um so how does this impact about uh, how we will live our lives? If we actually believe that we're saved and this was revolutionary for Martin Luther because he said that whenever he was reading uh, Romans, he has this famous line where he says, I was hitting on the passage, trying to beat the passage in Romans <laughs> chapter one, where Paul talks about how we're, you know, we're justified by faith, we're made right with God. And he says, I was trying to figure out what St. Paul was saying here. And then all of a sudden he realized the righteousness of God is the righteousness that God gives to us. And he says it was like, for him... Un- uncovering that in the scriptures was like the gates of heaven being opened mm. to him. And it changed his life forever. How is this going to change our lives as Christians practically? Well, I said before, it's life-giving because if you're walking around with this weight and this burden all the time mm-hmm. of trying to appease God, mm-hmm. or if you take the position that Jesus appeased some of God and you have to do even just 5% or whatever percentage it is, you still have this weight on you. Mm -hmm. And then trying to understand what is that weight? What does that 5% equal? You know, what does that add up to? And can I ruin that in some way, shape, or form? (laughs) And so walking around with that all the time creates in you an attitude, even just coming to church, of trying to, again, appease a wrathful God. And so you're not here necessarily to thank him and to praise him, but to appease him. Mm. And, that, and then it's become selfish. Mm-hmm. I'm coming here for me, actually. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm coming here so that you right. will do something good for right. me. Yeah. Trying to save myself. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. trying to save myself. Yeah. And we can do that with all kinds of things, Bible reading, prayer, whatever it might be. And when we realize that that's not the case, when we trust that it really is Christ alone, all that stuff vanishes. That weight should vanish. Mm-hmm. We still feel a weight at time. I mean, no doubt. I'm not I'm not right. saying that. But we understand that that weight is gone, mm-hmm. that Christ bore that weight for me. And so I can come like on Sundays with my church family 
understanding I have sin in my life, understanding all these people have sin in their life, but also understanding that Christ has done the finished work for us. Mm. That's the beauty of the Lord's Supper. Yep. That's why I like when we do the Lord's Supper together. It's a reminder mm-hmm. that we're all on the same plane here. Mm-hmm. It's because of, of his body. Mm-hmm. It's because of his blood. It's because of what he did mm-hmm. that we're together here and that we can be unified. This is what we're unified on. Mm-hmm. We might have differences out there, but we're unified on this. And so we come to praise him and to worship him and to honor him. And that should then spill out into our everyday life. Mm-hmm. So not just when I'm together with my church family, but you know, going to work, I'm doing it to honor him and to praise him or being a good dad or whatever mm-hmm. these things are that you do every day. We're doing it. We're not talking about it right now, but for his glory mm-hmm. alone, right. right? not mine, right. because of what he's given me everything. Mm-hmm. I don't need to give myself any more glory. He's given me his, which is way better right. than mine ever would be. Right. <laughs> right? Well, I think, I mean, to a person who rightly sees themselves as completely sinful and unable to earn God's favor. I mean, that was a lot of Martin Luther's thought of like, how can I ever do this? Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying every single day Mm -hmm. to not sin. And when I do sin, even the smallest thing to, Mm -hmm. to confess it. And when nobody else thinks that it's worth Mm -hmm. confessing and uh, to a person who knows the depth of their depravity and how sinful they are to hear that, salvation can be found outside of yourself Mm -hmm. and that it is a gift freely given to you that's accomplished through Mm -hmm. christ yeah it does seem like the gates of heaven have just been opened (laughs) up to you yeah you know like that that's it's the most hope giving message anybody could ever hear i mean you picture the thing that you find salvation outside of yourself right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. you picture the scene that he would witness right one of the things that was a breaking point for him Was people climbing up the stairs? What's the name yeah. of the stairs? Yeah, in Rome, the ones that are like the, they're, the they're supposed they're supposedly the ones that were in that were pilots. Mm-hmm. And if you right. and if you would crawl up them right on your knees, it was this added thing. And so you see these people just agonizing over their sin, mm-hmm. crawling up these steps, trying to appease God by by doing this mm-hmm. act on these steps. How heartbreaking is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and you think of the thousands, probably millions of people who've done that in their life. And then to realize there's nothing in that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in that. You just are adding this weight. You're adding this right. burden onto you that doesn't exist. Christ climbed those stairs already for you. Yeah. You don't have to climb the <laughs> stairs. You know, or mm-hmm. I remember I was watching once a, a, a thing on like National Geographic or something. I think it was in the Philippines. These people were literally. They hang themselves. Yeah. 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 Crucify themselves. No, crucify yeah. themselves. I mean, they I don't die. What's the end of that thought? Would they be, don't die. Would be them crucifying themselves. Just yeah, but they're Jesus like, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about how Jesus is for me <laughs> right. and how I'm now doing this for him and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> right. he did it so you don't you yeah. don't have to do <laughs> sure, this. Yeah. Sure. Right? That's that's the point. Hmm. But um, yeah, not not having that weight. And, and a lot of people carry it, sadly. Right. And I think, too, one of the things that this really distinguishes us from Roman Catholics, from Eastern Orthodox, from a lot of people who claim the title of Protestants, is Martin Luther showed from the text of Scripture in Paul's writings that whenever, for instance, God says, uh, Paul says in Romans 4 that God justifies the ungodly. Mm-hmm. So I remain ungodly in and of myself, yeah. but God declares me righteous even though I'm actually personally ungodly. Now, when, when, when Luther discovered this truth in Scripture, some people said, well, that's crazy. That's a fiction. God's lying. And so some people say that you have to, you have to become different in your heart. You have to get your heart changed, and Jesus will change your heart. Hmm. But what, what he discovered was that the, the way that we're made right with God is because Christ did it all once and for all time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what that means, though, I think in a, in a weird way, people are afraid of the ramifications of it, because if this is really true, they'll say they want to be free, but, and this is something I think I struggle with, I think still, is the real ramifications of what it means to be a free Christian. Paul talks about the freedom that we have in Christ, and Luther will write a book eventually called The Freedom of a Christian Man or Christian liberty, if we really are saved because of that cross 2,000 years ago, and my works can't earn salvation anymore, there's a lot of people that are really scared of that now, because so you're just going to say these people can go live however they want to live? 
They're free now. Yeah, there's that danger. And right. I mean, Paul People are afraid that of that, though, right? Even Paul saw that himself, right? In Romans 6. So yeah. what are you saying? Now I can just go and sin right. all that I want? And he right. would say, of course not. Or people would go to the book of James and say, this faith and works thing. Right. Like, something's going on here. See, I have to have sure. my works to prove that I'm this Christian right. and this man. No, that's that's not what's being taught there. But it gets it gets jungled up or yeah. jumbled up right. and gets really confusing. And, and I think to be fair, we have to understand. I can see how that can get jumbled. I mean, yeah. still to this day, I know these truths, but I'll yeah. ju- I'll do that. Right. Like you said, how right. we still struggle right. with that right. in our heart. Just And I think part of it is... Everybody in my life, no matter who it is, to some extent, I have to earn their favor. Right. My parents, my wife, my kids, all of that. I have to earn their favor. Friends, whoever it may be, some less than others that I have to earn favor. They give me grace. But there is that. And so that's just natural for us. And so then when we think about our relationship with God and you hear this, no, he he loves you because of Christ alone, and this is how he sees you. Right. It's really hard for us to comprehend that. Yeah. And it's then even harder for us to live that out (laughs) naturally, right? Right? Because he does say, I mean, again, to be fair, be holy because I am holy. Like, so there is a change. Yeah, we would still, I think, all agree we're still ungodly, but we have the Holy Spirit in us now, just like David, like we Mm -hmm. talked about in the sermon recently, right? The Spirit of the Lord came on David. We have the Spirit of the Lord in us, who now enables us to be good and to do good things, right? Because of His power in in light of, yeah, yeah. in light of that, right? Right. So sometimes we struggle with that right. balance, um, right. which is understandable to me. Sure, but yeah, it's a it's a tough balance to actually believe that we're we're made right with God, we're justified, yet we're still sinners. Yeah, at the same time. And so usually, you know, you'll hear people say, "There's no way I'm a Christian if I still say these words." Like if that's still what comes out of me when I get angry, right. there's no way I'm a Christian. Right. And you know, you have to talk with those people and say. And really work through it, right? Because they're saying, "Well, if I was really a Christian, you know, the Spirit wouldn't let me do these things, right? Or all this, right?" And those are those are good conversations sure. to have, and they're helpful conversations sure. um, to have. And again, it's very understandable. But to that person, in the end, mm-hmm. you're not saved because of the words you say, yeah, right? You're saved because of right what He has done, right, right. <laughs> right. Now, therefore, live out of gratitude yes. for what He's done, yeah. and yeah. yeah, and love. Um, what does this mean for? Preaching and teaching the Christian faith. What should, because I know uh, there's differences that people think they want to come, they want to come and hear the pastor say this or that or talk about this or that. So what does it mean for us when we come to church? What should we, what should we as pastors preach and teach about? What should people in the pew expect to hear from the pulpit or from uh, the, the Christian education program here at the church? I think first and foremost, it means that Christ is the central theme. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, you should come expecting to hear about Christ mm-hmm. and what he's done. I mean, there are some, based on the text that you're preaching from, some sermons that will be more instructive about sure. an area of your life, but it's always in light of what Christ has done, yeah. right? Yeah. It always yeah. goes back to this theme yeah. of Christ. Right. I mean, shoot, we're going through First Samuel right now, and a lot of what we talked about yesterday was Christ yeah. and like how David is a type of Christ and this relates to Christ, right. you know? Right. And so, right. and that doesn't just happen in the service that should, Christ should also be the central theme of what you're mm-hmm. learning in the nursery right. or in children's ministry or the youth mm. or seniors or whatever type of group mm-hmm. you're part of. Um, it means that if Christ is the only person where we find salvation, he's our only hope. Mm. That's what we should be pointing mm-hmm. to the most often. Mm. Everything's connected to him. All the pages of scripture are soaked in his blood. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. is. Yeah. And so But even our ministries need to be connected to Christ. I mean, why are we doing uh you know, why do we have a food closet? Just asking these types of questions. Why do we think that this is important as a church mm-hmm. to engage in? And it should always be very, very Christ centered of why we are doing this. We're not just doing this to earn favor, to be good. Mm-hmm. We're not doing it for these reasons. We're doing it because you know, maybe we go to the passage, Christ said, you know, you did it for the least of these. Okay, that's why. That's where this ministry came from. We see that yeah. Christ wants us to do that, and so we want to care for the for the least of these. This is, this is why this ministry exists, and we want to point them to Christ. So they could go get food at the Catholic Church. They could go get food at some government agency, but if they get food here, we're doing it, hopefully, pointing right. them to Christ, right? That's why we are yeah. doing it. So hopefully... Not just our teaching and not just right. our preaching, but really everything that we're doing. So if we don't preach the truth of the gospel about 
even if we don't use the words, but we're the ideas of substitution, imputation, justification, those ideas, if we're not talking about those, we're not doing our job as a church. Right. Ultimately, if that's yeah. not the central thing, yeah. right. sanctification, yeah. living in light of the cross, the cross mm-hmm. changing us, that if we're not talking about those things, we're no longer doing what our job is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard too because um, I guess depending on what school you go to and stuff, but you can take preaching classes and these different things, and they try to teach you how to be creative and how to like mm. lay out calendars and you know Mother's Day should be geared around this and Fourth of July can be geared towards this and it almost comes across as like there's this creativity within preaching and pulling things out of the text like you had talked about like these these things will help you um as a parent and we see this here in this and isn't god good to give us this passage of how to be a good parent and and so you try to get creative but that's not creativity is not our mission right. as a preacher my, my job is to preach <clears throat> and teach a text and when you take scripture as a whole so when you when you see this text you know let's say you're doing one chapter but you but you go back to the very high elevation right and you're standing back and you're saying how does this fit in all of scripture it has to point to christ Mm -hmm. because christ is the center of scripture Mm -hmm. right that's Mm -hmm. that is the focus now some people though i think will take a text and like shove jesus in it in a way that it's not really Mm -hmm. there so you got to be careful with that too but for example, like what we talked about Sunday with King David, I think if someone didn't talk about Christ in connection with King David being anointed and the whole Judas, I would say you did not preach that well. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. didn't do justice. You talked about how the Lord sees the heart and not the outside, and you just talked about having a nice heart and how mm-hmm. we should be good to people and caring. That's and, the law, and, by yeah, the way. And, yeah, that's what I mean. And not that's worry about that's this. The law. Like that sermon's definitely in that chapter. Mm-hmm. Like we could talk about that, but that's not the point of that chapter. Right. The point of that chapter is here is the true king God has chosen, anointed. Mm. There's the rejected king, and this true king just points us mm. to the mm. true king. Yeah. Right. And and so that's where then Christ becomes cent- central mm-hmm. right. uh, in that passage, even in the Old Testament <clears throat> there. Yeah. Our Christian preaching is distinctive because whatever topic we're talking, talking about, um, and Paul does this in his epistles. It's one of the things that's wonderful to read it, read them. It's first of all, the place that he gives them, mm-hmm. which they're always in the latter part of the letter. Oftentimes, I shouldn't say always, but often they're in the latter part. So their implications and consequences in light of the gospel truth of the first half. And also oftentimes he'll, he'll connect because Jesus did this for us. This is kind of how that should look like now in mm-hmm. your marriages as Christians or as you treat your kids or, or whatever. Um, it's always connected to and in light of, uh, of, of Jesus. Or like people will ask, you know, why don't we talk more about <clears throat> politics or talk more about social things that are going on within our, within our services? And I've had that question before, and it's, that's not the point of our service. The point right. of our service is, is Christ. Right. And why would I not talk about Christ? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that's going to be our focus. That's going to be our theme, mm. hopefully, every week. That's that's mm. going to be what we center on. Now, when we have Christ in our life, it impacts our politics. It impacts these social causes and maybe how we would respond to them. Um, but that's not our job as the church, right, mm. to focus on those things. We focused on, on Jesus. Mm. This is even reflected in the difference between you know the Protestant Church and, and the Roman Catholic Church and how the services are organized, even physically. Because in the Protestant Church, you have preaching being the center, uh, preaching Christ and Him crucified, what He has already done and accomplished. Mm. And then in the Roman Catholic Church, you have communion or the Eucharist being the central thing in the worship service. And that being that they actually uh, believe that Christ is re-sacrificed every mass. So you have the Catholic church actually, actually atoning for sin every mass versus the Protestant church who has a Christ who has already done everything once and for all. And that, that right there is, I think, the true reflection of worship in 
the the true reflection of Christ alone mm-hmm. in the actual worship of God. Right, right. That was a that was a, a consequence as a consequence of yeah. if this is true. These are different. Yes. Then yes. yeah, we see that the furniture in Protestant churches is different traditionally. The the pulpit moves to the center from Correct. the sidelines and yep. and instead of the altar being in the middle. Yep. Um, so I have a question for you guys. So we're doing this podcast because it's October in light of the Reformation. Thinking about that. Last several years that like that October's rolled around and talk of Reformation it's going, I've had a conversation with a person who would say, like, aren't we being a little harsh towards Roman Catholics in talking about the Reformation and making such a big deal about this? Like, are we alienating Roman Catholics and our like faith? Mm-hmm. That's usually how the conversation gets presented to me. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of open that up to you guys. Like, how would you? Yeah, that's a hard discussion around here. I mean, Catholicism is so prevalent with yeah. most people, with a lot of people. That yeah, like half of my family is Catholic. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people would wonder why we don't join with them in things. And this is the this is the line, right? Jesus is the line. He's mm-hmm. the dividing line. There's other things we can handle. You yeah. know, there's churches who do. You know, spiritual gifts different than us or something. Maybe we can join. Like, there's other things that maybe we can uh, still partner with. Mm-hmm. But we cannot partner with a, a faith that does not believe that our salvation is based on Christ and Him alone. Mm-hmm. If if they start adding things to that, we can't join with them. We can't be with them. And you you say, well, that's harsh. Judgment Day is going to be really harsh. I mean, there's a line. (laughs) There is a line. And it's not out of a lack of love. It's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. Because if I love people well, Mm -hmm. I don't want them to get this wrong. I don't want this to be murky. I would say the same with uh, churches who believe baptism saves them. To me, that's a work. You're adding a work. And so Mm -hmm. I can't partner partner with them. Now that Catholics get talked about more just because I think it's more prevalent, mm-hmm. but there's other denominations that we would probably say the same thing about. Like, yeah. I'm not Greek, partnering Greek with Orthodox them. Would be, yeah, I'm not going uh, to partner with them either. Yeah. Eastern Orthodox or... And so this is a first-tier issue that we believe is not just not just a little disagreement. This is, is this truth or is this false truth? Mm-hmm. And we believe Christ alone is truth. And that's something that the Roman Catholic Church and their doctrines... Now, you might find a Catholic who would say that, mm-hmm. but the Roman Catholic Church and their doctrines, they can't, they can't say Christ alone, yeah, right. faith alone. They that's, can't that. So I'll add this real quick, um, just a little bit of context to Luther and the 95 Theses. When he posted the 95 Theses, he was not setting out to divide the Roman Catholic Church. He was setting out to reform it. Mm-hmm. Not reform in the sense of, you know, completely do away with everything. He wanted to bring clarification to the points of salvation, justification of sin or just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't trying to attack the church. He, he just wanted to bring biblical clarity. Um, and I think he was even in terms of worship, you know, a lot of people say now, like, (laughs) Luther didn't go far enough with reforming the church. Yeah, right? that's what some would say. Right. Yeah, like if and Luther saw us, he'd be like, whoa, you reformed too much. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And before we go to our very last question, before we wrap up, I, I want to say real quick to you, like, that was a good point, Scott, because yeah, it was. I think, um, yeah. I would always make a distinction between individual Catholics and what Roman cat, what the sure. Roman Catholic Church teaches as doctrine sure. officially, because I think there's tons of Catholics who could be saved. Oh, absolutely. Who are trust, who, who really are trusting Christ alone despite for their Despite what the Roman Catholic despite, Church teaches. But that exactly. is always despite yeah. what the official yeah. teaching is, because it's not simply from our angle. If you were to read their official documents that they still have from the Council of, which was, there was a Council mm-hmm. of Trent right. yeah. in the 1500s, they declared us anathema as yeah, well and said right. that if you believe this, yeah. you are under God's wrath. That's yeah. what I always think and is so, the interesting thing to bring out is like, we actually aren't the ones that said the strong statement of we can't be together. Yeah. <laughs> they actually did. So, you know, like yeah. it was the Pope that sent the papal bull to Luther. Right. right? And I think, <laughs> I think, you know, I appreciate it whenever 
Um, we can acknowledge these differences. Let's talk about them. Let's really yeah. see. Let's really let's search the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But I, I have confidence that there's many Cat- Roman Catholics who are members of that communion that are actually saved. But it's but always, we would never. But it's always never ins- encourage someone to go to those churches. No, because that church is not a they. If if what we're saying, if we believe in Christ alone. We have a different gospel from yeah. them, ultimately, that, that just, officially, yeah, officially, right, yeah. in the documents. So, that was my big struggle with, remember, I, I talked about getting my hair cut and the girl, mm-hmm. right? she went to a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's what she grew up was Catholic. And I'm sure she just wanted me to say, yeah, you should go, go back to church. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't really want to encourage her to go back to that church. <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah. Rather you sure. go to a different church, sure. but I'm not going to talk about the Council of Trent while getting my hair cut. And all that. <laughs> I just want to get in now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you so, should yeah. talk rather about the diet of worms. <laughs> okay. okay, lastly, real quick, before we wrap up, why does the church want to veer away from this teaching so often? Why do we want to? I, I want to read this real quick, and then um, we can talk about it real quick before we wrap up. Martin Luther even said this uh, in his life. He said this, for we always must have something new. Christ's death and resurrection, faith and love are old and just ordinary things. That is why they must count for nothing. And so we must have new wheedlers, as St. Paul says. And this serves us right, since our ears itch so much for something new that we can no longer endure the old and genuine truth, that we accumulate, that we weigh ourselves down with big piles of new teachings. That is just what has happened and will continue to happen. And Martin Luther was talking about the fact that it's so easy. We, we get tired of hearing about this. And so we want to have a Christianity that is uh, maybe more socially driven or more politically driven or addresses more practical issues. And we get tired of hearing this message and say, can we move on? Why do we do that? I mean, I know, <clears throat> put it in my in my terms, I want to be a part of it because then I feel like I own it. I feel like I've done something. It's the prideful side. And to think that Christ did it all for me almost seems can seem like unfair. Like I want to have a part mm. in it. But then when you understand I couldn't, I couldn't have a part in it, right? This different. But, you know, like last night the, the uh, Lakers won the NBA title, and you'll see some people on their team celebrating. And it's like you didn't play one second in the finals. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I never wanted to be that person. I never wanted to be on it like, hey, you could go be on this team. They're they're the best, but you're never going to play. I don't want to be on that team then. Hmm. I want to be on the team that I'm playing. I want to have a part in it, right? There's a, a prideful sense in that. I think that we're kind of taught that in America, oh, right? Yeah, this thing. Sure. And yeah, that's I, half of the American dream is like at the end, you've achieved all this and right. saying like, I did this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I do, I mean, I do know people who would be happy to just ride the coattails of everybody and get up. To I would. Whatever. If you give me a million bucks to ride the bench. All right. Yeah. <laughs> get a championship. All right. <laughs> give me some bling. Give me a million bucks and I'm not hurt. <laughs> but I just think sometimes we got the ring. <laughs> we approach that with our faith too. just, we can't comprehend that it's not about us. We struggle with that. It's got to be. It's yeah. got to be something mm-hmm. that I can do. Mm-hmm. Some of it's a pride. We want to have this. Some of it's just a lack of trust mm-hmm. that it's just all on Christ. And so we fall into these old habits of wanting to create mm-hmm. new things or new ways yeah. or ways to appease him. If I'm in the choir, he's going to be happier with me. If I'm an usher, he's going to be happier with me. If I'm doing this, I'm right. just a janitor here. But if I was this, right, we, we right. play these. We like to play sure. these games, and it comes down to our sinful pride, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Agreed. That we battle constantly. Yeah. Something you said earlier, Tim, of um, like when when you first started learning of these things, it was so helpful to you mm-hmm. and freeing. And I like I had the same experience. And I honestly think that sometimes it's just that people haven't been taught well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if like once you see these things, like just as they're presented in Scripture, mm-hmm. just the, all those passages of Scripture that were listed at the very beginning of this, like this isn't just some doctrine or mm-hmm. uh confession that this is from like no this is like thoroughly biblical yeah right um and so when you read the bible and you see that and you're taught well how to apply salvation in Christ alone uh i think some people just haven't been taught it well yeah right. and and they've they haven't been they haven't been awakened they haven't been given that gift mm-hmm. really uh to, to see that. And so they're just naturally grabbing for what, 
whatever they comes to mind, you Mm -hmm. know? And so there definitely is an aspect of pride about it, like you're saying, I think too, but I think there's also an aspect of just ignorance Mm -hmm. uh, that people have in that they haven't been taught the scriptures well. Mm -hmm. They don't know their Bible. They honestly, there's a sad high number of people who would call themselves Christians that probably could not even articulate the gospel to you. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that it's it's part of it is on us as yeah. pastors mm-hmm. to teach people well what salvation is and where salvation can be found. It can be found in Christ alone. It's interesting because mm-hmm. people will come to kind of combat that just a little bit. You know, maybe they found a verse that makes it sound like you earn your salvation mm-hmm. through baptism or that you can lose your salvation through something, and they'll bring those verses to to you. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because you could lay out before them 80 passages that speak contrary to that. Mm. Like, look, at these are set in stone. It's mm. on Christ, it's on Christ, it's on Christ, it's on Christ. You're looking at this one, and you're saying this one outweighs everything. Outweighs all of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, do, is there, does there seem to be a contradiction? Maybe, so let's work it out. Let's figure it out. But you're, you go work out the 80. I'm going to work out this <laughs> one that you brought me, and we'll come back together right. when we're done, okay? Mm. Yeah. And... They just seem to hang on that. And I, I've been there before, too. Just mm-hmm. like this. Look, at it says this here. But you're just pushing aside mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. hundreds of other passages that so clearly yeah. talk about how yeah. God has drawn you in, God saves you through Christ, and it's not of your doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather be, I'd rather have my hope in those 80, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I would encourage other people that same way. Yeah. You know, if you find a passage as you're reading that it sounds confusing, and it seems to be contradicting something, you know, that you've been taught along these lines that mm-hmm. it's on Christ alone. I would then go and look at all those other ones that are surety and then say, yeah. I got to figure something out here. Yeah. Well, you interpret something here. You interpret that one with the other 80. Yeah. You mm-hmm. let scripture interpret scripture. Yeah. You have to let it balance off each other. Yep. And so yep. that's when you start asking these questions like, well, then what is being said here? Yep. What is the context? Exactly. All these different yeah. things. Right. Yeah. Right. It's wonderful. This is the heartbeat of the ministry here at MNBC. This is the heartbeat of the, of the Bible, uh, Christ alone, our salvation. And, um, so we rejoice in this, uh, the clarity of the, of the gospel, the simplicity that is found in scripture, that it's found in him and in him alone and, uh, the wonderful gift that we have been given. And so we hope this has been encouraging to you. Um, and uh, we hope that maybe you'll look online, look up the Reformation, look about it, learn about it. Um, it was a movement of God, and we're grateful for it. And uh, we stand as uh, grateful um, heirs of the Reformation truth, which is simply the truth that we believe is found in Holy Scripture. Uh, thank you so much. Take care, and God bless. <laughs>